Before we dive on into football, we want to thank the sponsor of today's episode, Southern Cigar Co. Southern Cigar Co. is a premium cigar subscription service founded with the goal of connecting cigar lovers around the world with nothing but the best smokes. Heading into a cigar shop and choosing from a vast selection could be a daunting task. Southern Cigar Co. has developed a service that takes away the worry and the hassle while providing you with premium cigars every single month. For under $40 per month and free shipping within the United States, Southern Cigar Co. will ship four of their finest cigars right to your door, with the first box of every subscription including a triple torch lighter, a double guillotine cutter, a Boveda humidity pack, and an informational card displaying everything you need to know about your newest cigars. There's no better pairing to Sunday football and your favorite bottle of beer or glass of scotch than one of Southern Cigar Co.'s top-of-the-line smokes. With the holiday season right around the corner, the world's best cigar subscription would make the perfect gift for the cigar lover in your life. Head to southerncigarco.com and enter code PUTB for 10% off your first order. Again, that's southerncigarco.com and enter promo code PUTB for 10% off your first order. And now, back to the football. Bonjour, hello, and happy Monday, everybody. Welcome to the Pick Up the Blitz podcast, the show where a guy and his high school history teacher talk a lot about football and very little about history. I'm Justin Heyer, here with Nick Pilato and Trevor Heyer. Trevor Heyer, our co-host, our guest, my older brother, is back today for the first time in what feels like months. It could, it could just be many weeks, but I, I think at this point it's, it might be many months. Trevor, so good to have you back on the show. I hope you guys like the new intro, too. Something I just thought of like 10 minutes ago. Yes. Yeah, Absolutely. I'm a fan. That was good. I like that. Thank you. Thank you. Let's add a little spice. Thing, I would just know? add after history teacher and a guy who's sometimes here. And a guy who's sometimes here in Trevor Hire. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. We'll we'll add that in for the for the shows where you you make it back. Just a, a, a quick caveat. Um, I am outside for today's show, so if you hear any noise in the background, that's probably because of of that. I uh, I, I have to, to do today's show outside, but um, we have. Unfortunately, it's a lot to get into on this show. Um, obviously, we're recording this on Monday evening, so it's about been 24 hours since we all had to suffer through what was a horrendous Week 17 for all Miami Dolphins fans. Not only did the Dolphins lose their matchup, but all three matchups that could have gotten them into the playoffs went the wrong way. The only positive, really, from this weekend from a Dolphins perspective was the fact that Ryan Tannehill and the Tennessee Titans secured Miami's third overall pick from the Houston Texans, the Laramie Tunsil trade. But um, that was your quick rundown about how our weekend went as Dolphins fans. But as always, I'm just going to start by tossing to Nick for your, Nick, your general reactions, thoughts, et cetera, from that game. And, of course, now that Trevor's back as well, Trevor, let's, uh, let's get your, your thoughts on the weekend too. But, Nick, let's start with you. I, you know, if, hmm, I still am trying to find the correct words to express it. You know, I think the most disappointing thing for me is not that it's not that they lost. It's that the Dolphins, once again, were incapable of doing their job. And it's, it's been something that I've been preaching all year that it, it felt like it was a different team. It felt like we had kind of gotten over that uncomfortable hump of never being able to take care of our own business. Um, and we had seen some magic in weeks past, uh, specifically the, the win Saturday night against the Raiders, but 
to to lose like that, it just it was disappointing. Not so much that we missed the playoffs because I do think that we are kind of uh, we weren't necessarily ready for that type of environment as a football team. Um, but just to not be able to do our job and to lose like that, if the game had been much closer, I wouldn't be that upset uh, about it because Buffalo is a good football team and and um, and you know they, they deserve to probably have a win. But to lose like that just shows that we are not nearly as close as. I think anyone would have ever thought we were, and we still aren't able as a franchise to push past adversity and win the games we're supposed to win. Yeah, you know, for me, guys, it comes down to consistency. It's just consistency in the wrong way. We talk about the Dolphins closing. We talk about the Dolphins closing quarters, closing games, and closing the season. And we've just, you know, unfortunately... As a team, we've been very consistent with this inability to close. And so in a lot of ways, it was just sort of a a negative reaffirmation of what we've seen time and time again over the years. What was was a little bit more disheartening this year um, was the fact that, you know, Miami became sort of like the Miami Heat in the NBA this past season. They were sort of this darling team who was playing much better than anticipated with a whole sort of new cast and crew, you know, whether it was Coach Flo, relatively new, to a brand new, talking about sort of a new crop of skill position players. And it just, it it seemed sort of too good to be true for the duration of the season in terms of how well they were performing. And indeed it was. Um, but those sort of getting so close, but yet being so far I think those are the ones that kind of hurt the most, right? Because you kind of get your hopes up. You kind of think that, you know, against all odds, a team that really, as Nick put it so eloquently, isn't necessarily supposed to be there. They maybe could make it happen. And look, guys, we were under no delusions that the Dolphins were going to make some kind of magical Super Bowl run. But being in the playoffs this year would have done wonders to validate Coach Flo's ability to get a team with missing pieces and ultimately sort of missing cohesion um, into the postseason would have been really great to bolster Tua's confidence as he's growing as a young quarterback, especially in a season where Tua had been not starting, then starting, then taken out of games, then put back into games. It would have just been a nice way of bolstering that rookie confidence. And, you know, ultimately as a fan, it's just you get your hopes up. It's sort of something we're all prone to doing in professional sports as fans as we hope that our team is going to be better than they are. And the Dolphins for 95% of the season were better than they were until they weren't uh, yesterday. So it was it was sad to see. But at 10-6, and six, I have to say, and I know we'll get into this at some point, the future looks very bright. Um, it's going to obviously be a pretty um, potentially tumultuous offseason, at least in terms of reporting. And I know we'll get into that in a moment as well. But, but disappointing, but hopeful at the same time. Yeah, I, I'd say too inject a bit of positivity in into what is a very negative and disappointing past 24 hours. And I, I, I try to be the, the, the positive guy amongst my friends in our group chats and stuff like that on Twitter and things like that. It was very difficult to do that in the past 24 hours. But now that I've had a bit of time where, where it all sort of you know, decompressed and that kind of thing, I think that there are still so many positives to take out of this season. Trevor, you already hinted at some of them. This is the second youngest team in the NFL, though. 
in terms of like offseason statistics. It, it's a team that has essentially the second best war chest of draft capital in the NFL, top 10 in cap space, a coach that probably had he won yesterday would have been voted coach of the year, a rookie quarterback who in a lot of statistical categories was better than many in recent NFL history, won rookie of the uh, week twice over the past six or seven weeks. So there's a lot of reasons that this team is looking up, but there are a couple of glaring things that need to be at the very least discussed and addressed in the Dolphins organization as a result of yesterday's loss. Uh, usually when we do our post-game shows, we're like analyzing the loss itself or the win itself, the game itself. I think I'm, assu- you know, I'm assuming we're on the same page with this episode. It's going to be a, lot more, uh, a little bit more big picture, just of, of where our thoughts are heading into the offseason. And there are a couple of things that are highlighted for me that need to be discussed and addressed. But I want to know where you guys stand first, the things that Can you I just, think I want to need to be... one more piece of positivity in that, and, and I'm sorry, Justin, to cut you off. Um, but, and guys, please correct me if I'm wrong here, but the Dolphins, like, above six, seven wins, were playing with house money. Like, this was a team that was not expected to do as well as they did was not expected to gel as quickly as they did. And I think that it's easy to forget when your team narrowly misses the playoffs, sort of the expectations going into the season before the season starts. But this was not a team that was expected to get 10 wins, like not even really close to that. Um, And not only 10 wins, but a few good wins um, against good teams. So just just before we sort of take it to the next step and that next phase, as Justin, you were alluding to, and I'll pass it off to Nick to start with that. Um... I just want to clarify and articulate that to me, this was a season that was all about, as I mentioned, playing with house money and expectations were surpassed at least. I'm, I'm with you on that. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, we can take away from the season as a positive is that we outperformed expectations now two years in a row, right? Where last year, the fact that we won five games, we won any games is, was kind of a, um, a nice, a nice like uh, situation playing above expectations. You see that again, this, uh, this go around, it's unfortunate the way it ended just because of the, the nature of the finale. Um, but I think Trevor's really, you know, spot on there. We, you know, let's take the fact that we outperformed expectations here when we shouldn't have, and hope that that can continue into next season where maybe we are legitimately talking about a deep playoff run. So, that in mind, right, the Dolphins' next step now is to sort of step away from the idea of, okay, winning X many games is good enough, right? The goal, obviously, at this point needs to be playoffs. This was at one point the number one defense in the NFL. The offense, at times, looked like it was good enough to keep up with uh, a lot of the top contenders in the NFL, especially given how good the defense was. And so next year, looking at next year, looking at the goals for this offseason – you need to make playoffs, right? That's that's ultimately the goal next year. You hope that your quarterback will develop. Quarterback is obviously going to be a point of discussion and, and deliberation amongst uh, the entire NFL media and certainly within this organization. I think for me, at least going into this game, one of the reasons I wanted to, to do so well and for the team to make the playoffs was so we wouldn't have to hear that all offseason, but we will, alas. So uh, I guess quarterback aside now, because I just sort of mentioned that, but we'll obviously dive deeper into that in the episodes ahead. Uh, Nick, we'll start with you. What are your well, – give me one or two of your primary points that you're looking at for this offseason, sort of where your mind goes first. Okay, the season's done. What's next? 
Uh, are we talking in terms of how to to build on the roster? Or are we talking about because you brought anything. up expectations too? So I'm not sure. Yeah, no, a- anything. Where where you're saying what this team has to do next to be that okay. playoff contender next year? Gotcha. So uh, for me, it's it's first and foremost, playoffs are. At, I think the expectation going into next year, right? Regardless of how um, how this season turned out, right? If we had made if we had gone like Trevor said to that six seven win mark. I, this playoff still should be that next step for a rebuilding team, right? You're in year three. Now we should be talking about, um, you know, playoff aspirations being a legitimate uh, expectation for them. So I think playoffs are definitely like a win in the playoffs. We can talk about that later, but making the playoffs should be um, the floor for this team next year. Uh, but in order to do that, they are going to need to do some major reworking of the offense, um, there are definitely some holes on defense. There's no denying that. You saw them exposed these last couple weeks and most definitely yesterday against Buffalo. Um, so there are definitely some holes on defense. But if Miami doesn't invest a significant amount of its um, uh, assets over the offseason in weapons for Tua and potentially protection for Tua, um, this is going to be a uh, – it, it, the team is going to go nowhere. It's going to it's going to plateau at that six seven win mark where that should not be the expectation. I think I'm so glad we're talking about like expectations of the playoffs because for as long as I can remember, there's been hopes that the Dolphins make the playoffs. There were certainly expectations like more in the in the Ryan Tannehill era because of the money that was involved and because of the time and commitment that was involved with having. I think it was, what, seven, eight, nine seasons on the team. So at some point it was expected to get to the playoffs just because of the length of how long he was there. But we're talking about a team that was clearly rebuilding last year, still rebuilding this year, and now going into year three. There's playoff expectations. And I don't think the expectation is just to make the playoffs. I mean, well, let me reframe that. Maybe the expectation is to just make the playoffs, but my hope, and this is sort of a hope that I haven't had in a long time, is to certainly win one playoff game. Um, so when we're talking about next year, that's sort of where I stand for that. I found myself thinking this year, and guys, um, I don't know if this resonates with you at all. I'm sure it does, especially um, with Justin, as I know we watch these games together. I found myself really wishing or fantasizing about the days of sort of Ronnie Brown, Ricky Williams in the backfield with a quarterback like Tua. Not necessarily because of style of play, but because of having any sort of semblance of running back production. There are multiple needs on this team. Um, We could acknowledge that for sure. Um, And running back might not even be the most important. But when we're talking about weapons for Tua, obviously receiver is sort of the A1 paramount um, place in terms of where we want to be adding weaponry for Tua. But I am desperate to see not only a serviceable running back or two, but a running back that is going to allow Tua to really flourish through his progressions, who's going to keep the defense honest. I, my, my, my sincere hope is that we can really create an offensive movement next year. Movement, not just when the, when the ball is snapped, but even sort of in the backfield, some dynamic sort of, I uh, keep using the word movement, but just, just keeping the ball moving in different ways that ultimately puts the defense on its heels because that's, I think, where two is going to be at his best. And I really, really want to see some good running back play from Miami next year. No, and there will be options for that, for sure. Options of plenty going forward. There's, I mean, Nick, you and I have discussed this already several times in the past bunch of weeks. There are guys in free agency, Aaron Jones sitting the uh, the free agent market. There are guys 
obviously in the draft, Najee Harris is suddenly catapulting himself into not just first round pick, but potentially you know mid first round pick, getting towards that higher end of the first round. Uh, Travis Etienne, obviously, is a big name in the who's going to be in the NFL draft. So there will be plenty of options for the Dolphins to fortify on offense, especially at the running back position. Miles Gaskin definitely looked more than serviceable at times this year. Salvan Ahmed as well, but the Dolphins clearly need, despite the fact that the running game did pick up over the last quarter of the season, definitely need a bona fide star at running back just to ensure that Tua has a running game to help him develop. For me, when I'm looking at where this team is going, the next steps, how to make the playoffs, etc. I mean, it's currently 5.56 on Monday evening. I hope that by the time this even gets out, this becomes old news, but Chan Gailey was supposedly fired a couple of hours ago, supposedly, per fake Adam Schefter Twitter account, which was then published by ESPN because someone at the news desk in ESPN saw the fake Adam Schefter Twitter and thought it was real. Barry Jackson, the Miami Herald, retweeted that. Just in general, it was a whole freaking mess in the NFL news media circle for about an hour there. Chan Gailey was not fired. The Dolphins' offensive coordinator was not fired. I am never one to advocate for someone to lose their job, but Chan Gailey needs to go. Like, it's just, yeah. uh, it's, it's absolutely, unequivocally a mistake, in my opinion, to keep him around because it looked like he didn't want to call the offense with Tua. It, lo- it just, I could be wrong, but I think the entire NFL and Dolphins fan base understands that that's just what it looked like. The offense... With two and Fitzpatrick, it's old news at this point, was completely and totally different. The playbook seemed completely and totally different. And that hampers a rookie's growth. You need someone there who believes in Tua, believes he could be the answer for this team at franchise quarterback. And I just don't think Chan Gailey's that guy. I could not agree with you more. Um, if there's one person, and we can actually, and maybe we should talk about some other guys who should uh, potentially move, be moving on from the Dolphins in this offseason. I don't know if we want to do that today or at a later sure. episode, but... Um, if there's one name that is, I think, widely agreed upon as needs to go, uh, it, it's got to be Gailey because you're, you're you're 100% right, Justin. It looked, you know, if I can predict what play call is coming next, that's a problem, okay? And I, and I think we were getting to the point where they were going to run one of three plays every yeah. single time, and Buffalo figured it out. Surprisingly. Quick slant, figured throw it out. to the flat, or run up the middle. Quick slant, or, throw or, to the flat, it, run up the middle. That was it. Exactly. Exactly, and then and then and then an option play, right? The yeah. option play that would generally lead to that quick slant, and then on third and nine, because they figured out the first two times, you run a ten yard curl to Devontae Parker every single time. That was the entire first half, and and if you're like I've been saying for weeks at this point, if you're not going to give your quarterback the full playbook, like if you feel that he is not ready to accept and 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 uh, and uh, use that playbook and with all of the plays in it and be able to call plays freely, knowing that your quarterback is comfortable doing so, then he should not be your starting quarterback, period, end of story. And so if you're uncomfortable, and it just infuriates me because we, how can you as a coach, coach scared, right? In a, in a, play, in a game that should have been a playoff game, right? A playoff mentality where you lose and you go home, right? How can you coach scared? And for now, Basically, the the vast majority of Tua's career, Chan Gailey has coached scared with him behind center, and that's just purely unacceptable. 
regardless of who the name is at offensive coordinator, it just happens to be Chen Gailey. He needs to he, be out of there. He's kind of been coaching. Coach scared is a, is a very popular term, and I agree with you, Nick, on a broad level. From what I saw yesterday, he was kind of looked like he was coaching, like sort of like he didn't know what he had under center. Like the the plays were so safe and so consistent. It was it was sort of bizarre to watch, especially given the lack of adjustment. And we had sort of seen this throughout the season. And and just I'm so glad you brought up Changeli because when we're talking about like. It's obviously sexier and more fun to talk about players that need to be added or changed. Coaching is obviously not as, as I uh, use the word sexy, but it's not necessarily as interesting or as, you know, headline to talk about. So Chen Gailey, I think, is definitely, and again, nobody wants to call for anybody's job. But when you watch the team, especially yesterday, there was a clear lack of maximizing talent on the field. And that was disappointing because as Dolphins fans, even though, again, this Buffalo Bills team is a good team, might even be a great team, and nobody was expecting the Dolphins to go far in the playoffs this year. But clearly yesterday, talent on the field was not maximized, and that's shameful, especially in what was effective. And, as, and uh, yeah. it, to build on that, just real quick, I don't mean to interrupt you, sure. but no, go for the, it. The, the, everyone else on that coaching staff coaches that way. Like Trevor just said, they maximize their talent, except for Changeli. And that's frustrating. And Buffalo is a great like Buffalo is potentially the best team, the hottest team in the NFL right now. Which is why Nick, when you said before, it wasn't so much that the Dolphins lost; it was how the Dolphins lost. And what was so bizarre to take Trevor's word was that when Buffalo kept driving over and over again, a really hot second quarter that Josh Allen had, where they put together drive after drive and touchdown after touchdown, nothing changed. Chan Gailey didn't change a thing. It was very, very odd, especially because Brian Flores has been pretty darn strong at halftime adjustments over the course of this season. But Chan Gailey, for some reason, has been... To me, and I I would guess that this isn't what's actually happening up in his play call booth, but it almost seems like he's coaching out of spite and in frustration that Ryan Fitzpatrick isn't under center. And so he's like, okay, if you're not going to give me my quarterback under center, I'm just going to ruin this one for you, which I know is is not not what's happening. Right. But, But... yeah, if you're being honest, that's kind of what it seems like. It's and, not the same situation as Doug yeah. Peterson out in Philly, but <laughs> yeah, well. it, but to be fair, it definitely. And of course, nobody's saying that anyone's trying to lose, but it really, really, especially in terms of adjustments, did not feel like anything was done to make the team more likely to win the game, and that was very, very, very bizarre to see. It was definitely very odd, which is why I think within the next week or so, Brian Flores is Brian Flores is not year and a half, two years is not someone who says just because I want to prove myself right, I'm not going to make a change. Right? He fired Chad O'Shea last year. Yeah, Patrick Graham. Wait, left so can I clarify? Job. He's not actually fired yet because I really has been fired. As of the recording of this episode on Monday night, technically still on the team. However, within a week. I would be surprised if that was still the case. Because okay. even if Brian Flores loves Chan Gailey, and from what we hear in the media, from what we hear from players, everyone really likes Chan Gailey as a human. I, uh, nothing against the guy as a person. I think, I'm sure he's a wonderful man. But his pairing with Tua, and he might, even, he might even be a good coach, but his pairing with Tua does not work. It's just, it's plain and simple. I'd be very surprised if he was still on the team within the next week or so. I think the Dolphins will bring in a new OC. Personally, 
I know Nick and I talked about Steve Sarkeesian, who took the head coaching job at Texas, so that's not going to happen. There are two guys in the organization that I think are probably prime candidates for the job based on how Flores talks about them. It's Eric Studsville, the running back coach, and George Godsey, the tight end coach, who worked a lot with the quarterback specifically to it this year. And then Anthony Lynn, who was just fired from the Los Angeles Chargers, showed his hat as not maybe the best game manager in the world, but before that and the way he's run LA's offenses over the past couple of years, knows how to play call. So that's another name I like. Uh, honestly, I'm I'm down for trying anybody else out. It really doesn't matter. <laughs> Anyone other than uh, you. It, 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 honestly, and you know, you said maybe he's a good coach, and I feel like, you know, a cup. If you look back at Chan Gailey's career, he had some success here and there, but it wasn't widespread. Um, yeah. it, it's time for Chan Gailey, and I don't I don't mean this as meanly as it's going to come out, but it's time for Chan Gailey to retire and stay that way because this looks like um, it looks like the NFL has passed him. Right, and yes. that's the, the offense that you saw this whole year, whether it was Fitzpatrick or it was Tua, just wasn't good enough in this NFL. Five-yard passes like that every first down are not going to get you. When your most exciting, when your best plays as a play caller or your trick plays, there's something wrong because it means you can't sustain an offense. It means you can't sustain drives, and it means you don't put enough points on the board. That really says all you need to know about Chan Gailey and his future. And you're right. I mean, there's a reason he was out of the NFL for four years before Florence brought him back to the OC. Yeah, I, I yeah. Uh, listen, th- th- we can talk all day about Chan Gailey and, and all of this, but if Miami wants to make the playoffs, they need to get a young, dynamic uh, offensive coordinator who can coach up to the standards of the NFL passing attack. Uh, in today's age. Can I ask just a theoretical, and I'm not such a fan of revisionist history, but I'm curious what you guys think. If Chan Gailey's not the OC yesterday, okay, and the Dolphins play a more aggressive style of football, sort of maximizing Tua's, you know, athleticism and his on-the-field no. abilities. I don't, no. no, right? No. I don't think so either. No, I mean, no, no one showed I don't up either. yesterday. The defense didn't show right. up. Special teams gave no, up a touch. And, no and one showed up yesterday. Most of all... The Bills are really freaking good. It's yeah, unbelievable. Right. No, the, the right. they're so much better than people think they are. It's, I mean, maybe not now, but certainly in the middle of the season. My goodness. You no. let Ryan Fitzpatrick start that game. You bring him in one quarter in, two quarters in. You put a different OC. I don't care what you do. The Dolphins were losing that game. No one should 100%. Out. Right. Even if their offense was firing on all cylinders, the way that defense played was there's no way that that was a win for Miami. No way. Which we can talk about next if you want. We can talk about the the – the collapse of what was the number one scoring defense in the NFL. Yeah, what the freaking heck was that? The fact that Isaiah McKenzie, who I don't think had more than like a couple of yards in any uh, on offense, at least in, in any game this year, blasted out for uh, three touchdowns and uh, like 100 total scrimmage yards, was just a, a hysterical... Uh, emphasis on what was just a horrific defensive performance yeah yeah uh (laughs) you know i i don't really know what else how else to sum it up you know the um the the the, there was no pass rush right so there was there was outside of the one sack against uh against josh uh josh allen where andrew van ginkle came free down the middle of the, the offensive line there was no pressure uh, on him, there were moments. There was a moment where Jerome Baker and uh, Emmanuel Ogba were both about to tackle 
Josh Allen and they both stopped. So Josh Allen just ran forward for seven yards. Yeah. Like those are the kind of mistakes that were being made yesterday. Not like the obviously you have the blown coverages here and there, but the, like they stopped playing football, which was weird. Um, weird to see. Uh, there was no pass rush, that, which gave Allen all all the day in the world to throw the football, and just the speed of the wideouts for Buffalo just dismantled uh, everybody. Whether it was Byron Jones, Xavier Howard, or Nick Needham, all three of them got beat bad yesterday. So there is a lot. Um, there was a, there was nothing good about that defensive performance outside of one, outside of Xavier Howard getting his tenth interception in a game that didn't matter. Um, and, and Andrew Van Ginkle's one sack. It was just purely putrid. And Byron Jones' acrobatic interception was also, uh, I think that ended up that in the cool, top it... 10, by the way. It's just, uh, none of it was enough. The, the only thing I took from this game is the fact that the Dolphins' ability to create turnovers is not luck, right? They had a turnover in every single game this year. But that, that was it. That was the only positive, I think, potentially, from the entire game. Also, Andrew Van Ginkle deserves a job as a starter because he's really good. Right. But he's, I think he's a good, a good football player, but I just, he's not generating enough of a pass rush on a consistent basis. He's, I think he, the Dolphins seriously need to consider taking some sort of edge rusher in the draft this season because yeah. they are just not getting enough consistent pressure. The thing about Andrew Van Ginkle too, and I don't mean to, to throw shade at anybody, but when a player is hungry like that, looking for a starting job, we so often in the NFL see a player like that who is sort of a bubble starter maybe have sort of a precipitous drop-off once that starter role is awarded. Right. So I I sort of like Nick's idea of taking sort of a proven pass rusher in the draft, especially with our war chest of picks. I really, really – I know, Justin, you're going to take us there at some point, but I definitely want to talk a little bit about what we think might happen this offseason with that number three pick, which also, by the way – let me just say, if that number three pick had eluded us yesterday and Houston somehow found a way to win that game, it probably would have been the worst day, at least in my Dolphins history, because it was really, really close to happening. Yeah, 100%. Um, <laughs> but I, I'd love, Justin, at some point, I don't know if we're doing it today or at some point soon, to talk a little bit about where we think the Dolphins might take the offseason in terms of that that you know very, very powerful pick. No, I mean, we'll have... Certainly, I'm sure as you guys uh, know, we'll have full episodes dedicated to draft and and free agent talk and all that kind of stuff. Uh, You know, I know we're already getting uh, up towards how long our Dolphins episodes usually are. But one thing I I do want to say and address, because it's something Nick and I spent about 10 minutes talking about, I think, in an episode this week. The idea, this is just my personal opinion, the idea of Miami taking either Zach Wilson or Justin Fields at third overall in my opinion, and I respect the opinion of all the other NFL pundits out there, but my opinion is absolutely ludicrous. Okay, I, I and I will admit that I'm a big Tua fan. I, you know, he, I thought he was a winner in college. Everyone seems to love and respect the guy. And the idea that just because he's not big or have a massive arm means he can't be quote unquote elite or have elite traits, whatever you, whatever you know, that's such a general term. I don't really like that people say, you know, peg quarterbacks that way. That idea to me is also really stupid and silly. So uh, just I'll put that out there. Yes, yes, Justin, I am <laughs> so incredibly with you. Yes. Um, I, you know what? It, it's just it's just insane. And I was actually listening to a, a sports show on the on the way home from work today, and they and they said it so perfectly. Where it was like, you know, you used to give quarterbacks 
two years to kind of see if they were the answer. Now, if they don't do it in 10 games, you're willing to move on from them. And that's insane. Like, do you really think that you're going to find Patrick Mahomes, like, just randomly in the draft, just by drafting as many quarterbacks as you can? No way. There's no way that's going to happen. That's, that's, that is, that's the situation that most teams will not find themselves in. And you don't need Patrick Mahomes to win football games. You need, Maybe what Tua Tungavailoa can become with decent weapons around him. I don't understand how people can say move on from Tua with when Tua had no weapons, an offensive coordinator that didn't trust him, and honestly, like I've said multiple times, hadn't played football in a very long time, and then went straight to the NFL. Like there are three huge things there that can't be ignored when you when you look at the the situation of this this performance this season. You just can't absolutely. And, and, and you know the other thing, guys, just to keep in mind here, you know. We talk a lot about the way the media portrays Miami. So whether it was ESPN, NFL Network, people were calling the Dolphins a good football team this year. And that's because they were a good football team. We missed consistency. Yes, there were pieces on offense and defense that are missing and holes to be addressed, which you can say about any team. But I'm telling you guys, if this team can get more consistent and can be better at designing games and play calls for the players on the field, specifically on offense... This is going to be a very good team next year, especially with the draft capital we have. I have full, full confidence in this team moving forward, more than I think I ever have as a Dolphins fan. And I firmly believe that a large portion of the reason people are asking these kinds of questions about Tua and not taking Trevor's approach here and saying, this is a really good team, build around it more and it'll get better, is because Justin Herbert put up gaudy numbers and stats week in and week out. That's not normal. That's abnormal. That's not what's supposed to happen. And because the two of them were drafted one after the other. And there's also no guarantee of sustained success at that point. Right. right? So we cannot jump to conclusions that Herbert is the answer at quarterback either because at the end of the day, you can put up as many stats as you want. When you lose football games, it doesn't matter what your numbers are like. And so the idea of essentially trashing Wait, your the, fifth the overall pick from... The other thing about Herbert, just, just to, I'm sorry, just to cut you no, off, just to point out here. When we talk about who looks like the prototypical quarterback right. of old, who looks like that? Is it Tua or Herbert? Yeah, I, I mean, one of them it's, is 6'5", and exactly. one of them right. is 6'1". People one. are one so of them is, yeah. quick and so inclined to look at what what was and not what is and what will be that it's, it's, it's not surprising that people are sort of flocking to that argument, but I think, I think as Justin said, I think it's losing. Yeah, and the idea, as you know, what I was saying is, is the idea of trashing your fifth overall pick from last year, which is essentially what you'd be doing if you took Zach Wilson at, at third overall, just because you're giving yourself another shot at a quarterback when the one you had last year really wasn't that bad. I just... It makes no sense to me. I also, I'm, I feel kind of frustrated that these same people who wanted to keep giving Ryan Tannehill another shot year after year, and the mm-hmm. same people who, right, the same people who said Josh Rosen yep. didn't get a fair shake, are the same people who are saying it's time to move on from Tua after after nine or ten games. And yep. that's, I mean, that's hypocritical. It, it doesn't make any sense, and it's it's exceptionally frustrating. And you know what? Just let the kid have a chance. Right. If you're willing to give, do you really think that Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, are were better quarterback prospects than than Tua was before his injury? 
Anyone? Can anyone in the in the NFL world, anyone, say that they are better prospects than Tua was before his injury? Even post injury, if you, if would, you say, would they have been if, taken before? No. If you say yes, if anyone says yes, you're lying. You are. Or lying you don't watch a lot of football. And that's the truth of it is, like, we're also talking about, I mean, look, a lot of the reason why people love Tua is because of who Tua is. It's not just his attributes and assets on the field. I mean, when we're talking about a guy who we're thinking is going to be able to galvanize a locker room, to rally the troops, I mean, at the end of the day, we're talking about the elite of elite athletes in terms of quarterbacks. And when you're not Patrick Mahomes or maybe an Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson in terms of your skill in terms of your innate ability, what often separates these quarterbacks is or are those innate or those those rather intangible abilities. And everybody has glowing things to say about Tua. It's one of the reasons why he was so beloved at Alabama and has been really, really liked at Miami. So I just, look, this nonsense of giving quarterbacks half a season to prove their value, it's just that. It's absolute nonsense. People are so quick and so ready to move on to the next best thing in the hopes that they'll luck onto, as Nick said, that Patrick Mahomes. It's so like what is current right now. Um, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And Tua absolutely deserves another shot at it. This. Uh... Okay. So I, I feel, I feel, I feel better. I feel like this has allowed <laughs> me to get, to get some things off my chest. Um, was there anything else that you guys wanted to dive into in our just sort of immediate reaction to Miami's loss to the upcoming offseason? Um, and then if, if not, or after we go through those couple of things, I'll sort of give the lay of the land for what everyone should expect going forward for us here on the show. Honestly, I, I, like you said, Justin, I feel better about it as well. If everyone can just relax for a second and, and enjoy the season. Listen, this was a good season. And regardless of how yesterday went, this is a good season. And When's the last time the Dolphins were legitimately in playoff contention in Week 17? It's been a while. You should enjoy it and take solace in the fact that we have a good foundation if they let that foundation develop the right way. Yeah, I just think for the first time in a very long time, when we look at coach, when the three of us look at quarterback, when we look at our top skill position receiver, when we look at the way the defense played, there is a lot a lot to love about this team. And I, as I look at this season, as I look at what the Dolphins were able to do and defy expectations, not only could I not be prouder of this team for coming together and doing what they did, I am extremely, extremely excited to see what Coach Flo can whip up next year. And and ultimately, guys, I'm excited to see what new talent they bring in. I don't think I've been this excited for an offseason uh, for the Dolphins in recent memory either with the exception, of course, uh, of drafting to a last year. So I think it's all positive. I think we should be thankful for the season. And ultimately, I think it's a sign of many, many good things. I swear to God, Jeff, it sounded like you were peeing there. I think, I'm assuming you were pouring something because I heard glasses afterwards. It was not. It was, no, it was actually thing. neither. It's oil that's crackling on my stove, and I knew you would hear it, so I put the, I put the top on. I apologize, guys. I'm trying to really was amazing. hard not to be loud. No, I, I, knew, I knew Nick would be thinking the same thing. So. No, no, and what's funny is it doesn't show the, the, the ring around my, my picture, so I don't think you guys can yeah. hear the background. So I apologize yeah, yeah. for that. Oh, no, we definitely heard <laughs> you peeing during the show today, Trevor. <laughs> oh, that was that's going to be the headline of today's episode. Great. Um, okay. Trevor, good to be back. Very good. Woo-hoo. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, I, I would also just like to say thank you, everyone who's listened to the show all season, at least, you know, those of you who are, who are listening to our Dolphins content. 
and uh, everyone who joins us on Locker Room week in and week out, you know, we also very much appreciate that. Going forward into the offseason, uh, or first, before we get to the offseason, we still have the playoffs. So uh, we'll be doing our all-NFL shows definitely as the playoffs go through. We'll be previewing all of the massive wildcard week that we have coming up ahead of us. It's six total games, first time in the NFL's history that we have a wildcard weekend that is that jam-packed. So obviously very much looking forward to that, just as football fans in general, for sure. So uh, that will be same time as usual. Uh, barring any unexpected changes, we'll be live in the locker room at this Thursday to preview all of the uh, all uh, the wild card weekend. As I was just saying, we'll be going through the divisional round, championships, Super Bowl, etc. Uh, our Dolphins content, we'll be letting you all know on Twitter sort of how that's going to be looking throughout the offseason in terms of how many times a week and uh, how many times a month we'll be uh, coming on the locker room app, releasing episodes, etc. We'll be previewing the draft, we'll be previewing free agency discussing all the news and updates that's sure to be hitting the Miami Dolphins airwaves. And then, of course, uh, we'll be having NFL episodes, just in general, national coverage sort of episodes, discussing draft and free agency as well. So be sure to be on the lookout for all of that. But until then, we'll see you guys again later in the week. Thank you very much to everyone who jumped on live in the Locker Room app. This episode will be up within 24 hours on all your favorite podcasting platforms. And we'll see you soon. Thanks, everybody. Nice Thanks, guys. Nice to see you all. Take care. Thank you.